Welcome to podcast number four of three suspense novels, written and narrated by Ian Duncan MacDonald. I'm Ian MacDonald. On January 16th of 2024, I narrated chapter seven from my novel, Beware the Abandoned. Other chapters of this novel will follow within a few days. Upon completing the recording of all this novel's chapters, I will commence narrating my second novel, Duel, which will be followed by my third novel, Using Drought USA. The transcript of today's chapters are included with this podcast. All my books are immediately available as an ebook and also as print books at Amazon.com. For more information on all my books and podcasts, go to www.informus.ca. I always enjoy answering questions from my readers and listeners all over the world. Address your email to imacd at informus.ca. Chapter 7. Title is Player Industries. John drafted a letter to Mike Asino at Player Industries. He mailed it and waited. He didn't get a response. A week later, he tried phoning Mike Asino and could not get through. Asino proved to be almost impossible to reach. John would phone and leave a message. This continued for weeks. One evening, when he was home watching a baseball game, the doorbell rang. He had not been expecting anyone. He opened the door. A tall, distinguished stranger in a suit was standing there. Mr. Cross, my name is Joe Palermo. I work for Mr. Asino. He understands that you would like to meet with him. Surprise, John responded. My casino of Player Industries? Yes. Can you come with me now? Sure. Let me put on a suit. Don't bother. Mr. Asino isn't wearing a suit. A large black Lincoln town car was idling in the driveway. John got into the back along with Joe Palermo. They took the South Highland Parkway. Palermo said nothing during the entire trip. The chauffeur pulled off the highway onto a street lined with ostentatious mansions built around a golf course. When they reached the Asino mansion, they drove down a ramp into an underground garage. John counted parking spaces for a dozen cars. The Lincoln pulled into a parking spot next to an elevator. They took the elevator up to the second floor and exited onto a wide corridor, tiled and white marble. Joe crossed to a door and knocked before opening it. John entered a large office. Joe Palermo closed the door behind himself as he left. Mike Asino was sitting behind an ornate, antique mahogany conference table that could seat ten people. John recognized him from pictures he had seen on the internet. Asino was often photographed 
presenting checks to charities. With a dismissive hand gesture, he showed that John could take a seat across from him. He did not stand or offer to shake John's hand. John guessed that Asina was in his early 50s. He was wearing a tight black Lacoste golf shirt that showed off a tanned, well-muscled, hard-looking torso. His salt-and-pepper hair was cut short. Dark brown, intelligent eyes stared at John as if he were a bug under a magnifying glass. John felt that this was not someone that you would want to have as an enemy. In a quiet voice, he inquired, You wanted to meet? Yes, I do. I can save player industries several million dollars. How would you do that? The larger the organization, the harder it is to keep close tabs on all the account receivable. As I understand it, each of your companies manage their own receivables. If one company has a problem collecting money from a customer, the customer can continue buying from all your other companies until they too become a receivable problem. I propose merging all your company's receivables into one database. Then a consistent credit policy can be applied to every customer. Consistency is a secret to minimizing account receivable problems. For example, some of your companies are placing your accounts out for collection at 90 days past due and some at 120 days, some even later. This makes you a source of interest-free money. John noticed that Estino was staring at him. He continued, I propose that on behalf of FICA, I will send out 10-day final notices to all your slow players as soon as they reach 60 days past due. At 70 days, all unpaid accounts would be placed for collection with FICA. Your slow-paying customers have trained your credit managers to wait for a payment. You now have to train your customers to pay promptly. When you do, you will see a big drop in your bad debt losses, a reduction in your borrowing costs, and a big increase in your cash flow. John had been preparing this proposal ever since he had first talked to Bill O'Malley about landing player industries. He wondered if the proposal was too critical and blunt, but he felt he had nothing to lose. Asino interrupted, wouldn't we lose sales if we tightened up our credit terms? No, you increase sales when you make your customers adhere to your terms of sale. Past due companies go to other suppliers to avoid confrontations with suppliers whom they are past due. If you keep them current, there will be no interruptions in their ordering. What would it cost? For us to set up and coordinate the account receivable service will cost you nothing. Our contingency rate when the occasional account gets placed for collection will cost you 16% of the first $1,000 collected, 8% of the next $9,000, and 4% of the balance. If you check with your companies, you will find that these rates are lower than what you are now paying. 
So not only will we be reducing your bad debts to a small fraction of what they are now, but the increase in sales will cost you nothing. I can have it in place within a month. With this closing statement, John shut up and remained silent. Asino made no immediate response. He continued to stare at John. The room was silent. John waited because he knew to continue talking would kill the sale. After what seemed like an hour, but was only seconds, Asino responded, Thanks for coming. I found your proposal interesting. I need to discuss it with my financial people. They'll be back to you if they think it has merit. Asino stood, came around the table, shook John's hand, and escorted him to the door. Outside, Joe Palermo was sitting on an ornate wrought iron chair, waiting to escort John home. Three days later, John received an invitation from a senior vice president at Player Industries to meet with the financial heads of their various companies. At this meeting, he was to explain what they would need to do to set up the proposed new account receivable system. Within three months, Player Industries was generating 10% of FICO's revenues. John said nothing to Billy. Billy said nothing to John. Billy just waited for the axe to fall. A year after the first meeting, John again had an unexpected knock on his front door. Joe Palermo was again there to escort him to a meeting with Mike Casino. This time, when Joe knocked on the Sino's office door, a smiling Mike Casino opened it. He stuck out his hand to shake John's hand. He led John over to a corner of the office where three leather love seats surrounded a low square coffee table. They took seats across from each other. Can I get you a drink, John? No thanks. It's been a year since we first met. What you proposed worked well. You've contributed to the profits of player industries. I wanted to thank you. You're welcome. I see great profits for the collection industry. It is a business that I'd never consider getting involved in. It has so much potential that player industries want to buy FICA and market it across the country. John interrupted him. I'm flattered that you see the potential for FICA, but it is not for sale. Asino's warm, friendly persona became as hard and cold as granite. He continued, How we resolve this is up to you. The easy way is for me tomorrow is to put a million dollars in an account that my banker will set up for you in the Cayman Islands. However, if you choose not to work with me, I will save my million dollars and you will receive nothing, easy or hard. I will take over your business before the end of the month. Based on its profits, FICA is worth at least $5 million. What is your life worth, John? That statement hung in the still room. Messino continued, Go home and think about my offer. I'll give you 48 hours to consider it. You know how to get hold of me if you want your million dollars. This 
is a one-time offer. Asino did not get up to shake John's hand. After a minute of sitting there in silence, staring at Asino, John accepted his dismissal. He stood, crossed the room, and saw himself out. As he rode down on the elevator, his mind raced. Billy had warned him. Why hadn't he listened to him? Was Asino bluffing? Could Asino take the business away from him without destroying it? His street fighter instincts had kicked in. These instincts would not allow him to walk away from his business without a fight. On the third day, Fika received a letter from a senior vice president at Player Industries telling him that their business relationship was severed. He told them immediately cease working on all Player Industry collection claims. John waited for further repercussions. On the fourth day, Patty appeared at the office door. She looked distraught. What's up, Patty? John, have you made changes to the bank that you haven't told me about? No. Why do you ask? Our trust account is empty. What do you mean empty? There's no money in it. Maybe you or the bank have got our accounts mixed up. Haven't I controlled the trust account since we opened our doors? Yes, you have. I must. It must be a banking error. Have you talked to them? Of course I talked to them. They thought it was strange when they processed a series of checks from us before the 28th of the month. Checks? What checks? They emailed me copies of the checks. They were all made out to Player Industries, and all of them had your signature on them. John stared at her in disbelief. He had hoped that Asino was bluffing. Now he knew he wasn't. As Fika collected money for their clients, it was all deposited into Fika's trust account. Under the law, there are only two reasons for a collection agency to withdraw money from a trust account. One was to receive the commissions for their collection work. The second reason was to remit to the client the amount collected, less the collection agency's commission. This distribution of funds always took place at FICA on the 28th of each month. FICA earned commissions only represented about 12% of the money on deposit in the trust account. The total dollars now missing from the trust account would be equivalent to all of FICA's income for the entire year. John concluded that Player Industries had forged FICA's checks. This misdirection of funds had effectively put FICA out of business. There was no money to pay the other customers what had been collected for them. Without a transfer of funds from the trust account to their operating account, FICA would not pay employees, the rent, or the phone company. FICA was insolvent. As soon as the word got out that FICA's trust money had disappeared, no company would ever entrust FICA with their collections again. As a business, it would all be over. Since his signature was on the Player Industries Forge Trust Account checks, John felt he would be lucky if he did not end up in jail. It would be difficult to prove he had nothing to do with the money ending up with Player Industries. They were not about to help him. John could predict the future. Billy, Patty, and all the other employees would be out of jobs.
the commissioner of collection agencies would close FICA. He would lose his house, his Cadillac Escalade, and all the expensive toys that he bought in credit. With his connections, Asina would make sure that by tomorrow the state auditor were aware of their insolvency. John weighed his options. In his mind, there was only one option. He phoned Player Industries. He was immediately put through to Mike Asino. John figured Asino must have left instruction to put him through. John, what a surprise! To what do I owe this phone call? You've won. But I always win. Now what can I do for you? I'll take you up on your offer of a million dollars. Oh, John, it's too late for that. The 48 hours has passed. The best I can now offer is that you will not go to jail and your employees will not lose their jobs. This new offer is good for only two hours. I'll see you are sitting in a cell before the sun goes down tonight unless you get down here and sign over your shares. As soon as this is done, the money will be returned to the trust account. John next heard the click of the phone being hung up. Almost too agitated to drive, he did get to the player industry's office. Here, he was led to the office of their corporate lawyer. Their lawyer explained each clause in the agreement. He drew attention to a clause that stated that John was terminated for a cause with no hope of suing for future compensation. Receiving John's shares gave Player Industries total control of FICA. The value of the 15% of the shares that the sanctuary owned and the 5% that Patty and Billy each owned would be in jeopardy. John hoped Cena would understand how valuable the two employees were to the excess of FICA, but he had his doubts that he would. John Cross had massive personal debts and no way to pay them. He was insolvent and expected his creditors would soon seize their secured assets. The two years of planning and programming in France and the years spent establishing the business would not only benefit my casino. Street fighters don't cry, they get angry. As he drove away from player industries, he was already plotting his revenge. Mike Asunino would soon learn that he had robbed the wrong person. On the mean streets of Los Angeles, John Cross had learned about retaliation and how to respond to disrespect. For 12 years, the sanctuary had groomed John Cross. Their share of the profits from FICA could have saved hundreds of children. John would not allow Mike Asino to divert him from fulfilling his responsibility to the sanctuary. Thanks for listening. The next podcast will follow in a few days. If you send me an email requesting that I inform you when each new podcast has been posted, it will add your name to register and include you in an email that I send to all podcast listeners who have registered. Music